Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor Graham, and I will be your host today. Joining me, we have a very special guest, Mr. Doug Weckenman. Wow, applause and everything. That's our live oh, studio you can, audience. You can just leave that going. Yeah. That's great. Hey, thank you for describing me as very special. Yeah, man. I feel very special right now. Yeah, if you guys are part of Young Adults, then you'll know Doug was here a couple weeks ago and gave an incredible message. But Doug has actually been sort of an, a founding father of young adults wow. to some extent. I'm so honored. Not, 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 a, not there from day one, but there from the very beginning. I mean, we came on right around the exact same time. Yeah, yeah. I think we started like three weeks apart. Yeah. But that was back when we were officing out of Golden and YA was happening at Littleton. Yes, yes. that's right. Uh-huh. Did you ever go to a YA at Golden? Um, no, I didn't. But you know what I just realized? Today is my seven-year anniversary from when I started working at Red Rocks Church. No way. And why, hey, yeah. Hey, happy seven oh, years. let's get the applause again. The live studio audience. I can only pray that happens a few more times. <laughs> they love fan. They love you, man. <laughs> no, so Doug, Doug is a dear friend of mine. Um, Sam and Aaron, our wives, are super close. We're even starting to have kids around the same age. Just deciding to do everything at the same time <laughs> yeah. with each other. Doug and I have just kind of lived a ton of life together. We shared offices for a while. Um, but but even more than that, just being my friend, he's, <laughs> I brought him on just because he's my friend. I don't know if he has anything significant to say. I thought all, we were but... just hanging out for like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just hit record and we're going to literally talk about sports. So yes. here we go. Yes. No, um, Doug is the pastor of our Austin location. Um, and honestly, he's probably the best preacher that I've ever heard. I know Andrew makes a joke about it, but whenever Doug comes, I'm like, Son of a gun. <laughs> I thought I preached pretty well last week, but not as good as that one. No, Doug's awesome. Um, he's super gifted, uh, but he loves people, and he's a deep thinker, and that's why I love having him on the podcast. I know this is his first appearance, but it won't be his last, and I think we're going to cover some really cool stuff today. And so, Doug, real quick, before we dive into the meat, because we've got we've – got Quite a bit of stuff we want to kind of talk about. Oh, yeah. This is a three-hour. We have a three-hour uh, <laughs> yeah. window here, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. No, but just just let the people know you're part of Young Adults. You and the uh, the guys and the family moved down to Austin to start Red Rocks Austin. How's life down there? How, how are you guys doing? How are you coming out of the pandemic and starting church up again? How's everything going? Uh, it's going really well. It's hard to believe it's now been three years that I have officially been an Austinite. Yeah, that it's doesn't crazy. It doesn't feel that long. No. It feels like last year. It really does, man. Um, we moved out July of 2018 in the heat of Austin summertime. My wife was nine months pregnant at the time. And so <laughs> as much as I wanted to complain, I just couldn't. Yeah. Um, and that was three years ago. That's crazy. And then starting in January of 2019, we launched Red Rocks Austin. And for 14 months... It, it was just crazy, man. It 
we, we were in this little setup and teardown place that you've been to. Yeah. Um, and outgrew it fast. I mean, that was a lot of setup and teardown. That was <laughs> the world's heaviest furniture that we had to move out of this space every morning at 5 a.m. and then move all of our stuff into it and then do it in reverse at 9 p.m. that night. Yeah. And it built a lot of culture and camaraderie and a lot of family and was really good for our values and our DNA. That's and awesome. uh, it was, it, I'm so grateful for it now. But then a miracle situation happened where we moved into um, a bigger building that we don't own, but we are quote unquote borrowing it. Okay. <laughs> um, at least until the owners raise enough money to do something else with the building. We, we made a deal with them and said, we can't pay you a ton. We can pay you something. Can we come and just set up our stuff once and make it our temporary permanent home and we'll be the best tenants ever. And as soon as we have to go, we got to go. And we moved in and that was March 1st was our first week in there. That's so awesome. March 1st and March 8th of 2020 oh, was, oh. was crazy because <laughs> yeah. we finally had our, I mean, it was things church planners dream about. Yeah. And it basically doubled in size in a week. And then an asteroid called COVID hit the planet and <laughs> shut everything down. Yeah. Um, but we started up at the end of, at the end of last year and have slowly been gaining that momentum back. You know, it's cool. I have seen nothing but evidence for why God called us to move to Austin. That's cool. I'm a, I mean, like you, I thrive on, on surfing metaphors and ocean metaphors, <laughs> yeah. and this will not be the last one of this podcast, I promise you. Um, but it was almost like when you're surfing, you kind of have to go where the waves are breaking. Yeah. And something in you just says, go over there because something's going to form and you just need to catch it. And I really felt like God said, just go to Austin. I am building a wave yeah. And I just need some young churches to go there and catch this wave. And That's cool. that is, we, I mean, we have seen that happen in front of our eyes and I've got so many stories I could tell and the momentum and the wave is building back again um, after we restarted. And it's just a really, really exciting season for us. That's dope. Really, really exciting. So, so if you're ever in Austin, or if you live in Austin and you're listening to this, yes. where where can they find you guys? It is right off of 35, right off the highway. So if you go, if you're in downtown in UT and you just go five minutes north on I-35, it is right off the highway, right on the corner of I-35 and 183, the two biggest, most busiest highways in Austin. And nice. we, we just got a a really cool spot that's literally off the highway, which is that's cool. a total God story. And yeah. so it's super easy to find. And so, yeah, if you're ever in Austin, come say hi. If you move to Austin, you've got Red Rocks family there waiting for you already. And it's a really good group. And we're having so much fun. And on the family side, I also, my wife was pregnant three years ago. So we have a, a two-year-old who's almost a three-year-old little boy named Will. And then we have an eight-month-old little girl I know you're a girl dad. You've taught yeah. me a little bit about how awesome <laughs> yeah. it is to be a girl yeah. dad. I love it. I'm yeah. addicted to it. It's cool. And uh, she just, I was praying this wouldn't happen, but she just crawled for the first time this morning and I'm out no of town. No way. So, so I miss that. So Dang, dude. dad of the year. Do you have a boo button? A booing? Um, there it is. There, there so my wife sent me that video this morning. So oh, no. tomorrow I'll wake Kinsley up and make her crawl and I'll pretend that's the first time she ever did <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <so. laughs> Dang, man. Yeah. Dang. Well, hey, that, and I want to give a quick shout out to Rod. Is that, 
if am I remembering correctly? Yeah, Rod from the Austin camp. He picked me up one time and I went down there to hang out That's with you guys. That's right. And he's the nicest guy in the world. So Rod, you're the man. We love you. Yeah. Rod's on the parking team. Okay. Yes. So Rod, I have no idea if you listen to this. Probably don't. But if you do, shout out to you, man. I love you, Rod. Yeah. So, dude, we were talking on the phone, and you actually had some really good thoughts and ideas um, about what you wanted to talk about. And I want to dive into that here real quick before we get too far in. If you guys start hearing a bunch of noise and music in the background, our youth team is having their retreat, and they're having a bunch of youth kids meeting, and so that's just middle schoolers screaming at the top of their lungs. Oh, those so, youths. Yeah, but um, but no, uh, you, you had some really good, really cool – thoughts on stuff to talk about. And so, man, just jump in and we'll kind of just play this one by ear and, and duck and dive. And okay. Yeah. Okay. Let the people know what's on your heart, man. Oh, I got so much on my heart, Connor. (laughs) It's full right now. So here we go. Um, okay. So, and this is something that I'm seeing in Austin, Austin, by the way, for everybody listening who hasn't been there is very, very similar to Denver. Austin is not like the Bible Belt. It's not like Texas. It is pretty much if Denver and Boulder had a baby in Texas, (laughs) it is the black sheep of Texas completely. And for a lot of those reasons, that's why people are moving there. I think it goes back and forth between Denver and Austin as the two fastest growing cities in our country right now. And I think that says something about what these cities are promising to people. Uh Uh-huh. there essentially is this. So we say all the time, Austin is a hub for the prodigals of the Bible Belt. So they uh, grew up in this religious background and got burned on it yeah. and tried religion, but not necessarily Jesus. Yeah. And so they're running from it and they're flocking to Austin by the hundreds of thousands yeah, in it's search just of something. Blowing up. Yeah, yeah, and Denver's the same way. A lot of millennials, Gen Zers, young people really in search of something. And cities like ours just seem to promise something. Yeah. It's almost like, come here, this is where the party's at, and this is where you're going to find what you're looking for. Now, what I'm seeing in Austin, what I've seen in Denver, is you got about a five to 10 year lifespan on that, if that. So people will move and it works until it doesn't like all like sin, basically. Uh I mean, whoever says sin is not fun is not doing it right. Yeah, they've never tried sinning very well. No, Um, it works, though, until it doesn't work. Yeah. And Austin, this invitation of this party that's going to complete you and fulfill you, you will find everything you're looking for um, that has a lifespan because it's failing. Yeah. And you only have to be there for a certain amount of time until it's kind of the, the floor is falling out from beneath your feet and you go, well, I thought this was going to be it, but it's not. Yeah. So now what do I do? And I think when we were talking on the phone, regardless of whether you live in Denver or Austin or if you live in Nebraska, I think Denver and Austin are just, I don't know why I picked Nebraska. They're, they're just these like little microcosms of a greater narrative. And yeah. I think when we were talking, we, we were kind of saying, I think people and maybe not everybody, are starting to realize that the narrative that our culture is really going with right now, yeah. it, it like the, the what am I trying to, the current yes. of our culture yes. that has promised the world, promised, like you said, the life of the party, promised, uh, it's, it's kind of crumbling before yes. people's eyes. Uh-huh. They're, they're realizing, they're getting to the, 
they're they're going to the cool city, they're getting the cool job, they're digital nomads traveling from WeWork to WeWork mm-hmm. to whatever. And they're they're kind of living the life that they thought the world promised them was fulfillment and joy. Mm-hmm. And they're standing on the you know the peak, and they're saying, oh, "This is nothing like I thought it was." No, and that that is our generation. Yeah. In fact, that's millennials and Gen Z. We're very we have a very transient nomadic sort of outlook on life, where we will go from job to job, friend group to friend group until yeah. it gets tough, city to city. I didn't find it here. The grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, there is there is magic over every next horizon until you get there. Yeah. And you can only do that for so long until you start until you start to realize something is not working and something is off. Yeah. I kind of, you know, that reminds me of is the fire festival. Yes. <laughs> from back in 2017. Ja Rule. Ja yes. Rule and Billy McFarlane. If, uh, I think that documentary is on Netflix called fire with a Y. I'm not, rem- I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it was amazing. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I watched it and I remember they promised these like gourmet chef meals. Yeah, five-star chefs and these these villas, and you get to party on the island of eczema in the Bahamas that used to be Pablo Escobar's island. Yeah. And so come party where Pablo used to party with girls in bikinis, and here's drinks, and here's, here's live music, and all these influencers, yeah. and it's going to be five-star in every way that you can imagine. Tickets sold. Um, day tickets, day passes were 1500 a lot of these experiences, people, millennials somehow, paid $12,000 for a weekend. For the VIP experience, some people paid $250,000. And Connor, it sold out in 48 hours. That's insane. Because, yeah, they promised everything. They promised the greatest party of your life. The tagline for that documentary is the greatest party that never happened. Yeah. Because, turns out, Billy, McFarlane, <laughs> and Ja Rule uh, are just great they were great scam artists. They're great promoters. Absolutely. Great promoters. With, with zero substance. Here, here it is. Great promisers, but the lack of follow through on that. Yeah. And I think that says, I think there's a lot of similar contours with that in the what secularism is promising people specifically yeah. in these kinds of cities because people showed up and all of a sudden it was... It wasn't these VIP villas. It would be, it was like these little rescue tents in the gravel parking lot of a sandals resort. And it yeah. was it was geez. literally what what was it FEMA uses for like yes, hurricane rescue. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it was cheese sandwiches in styrofoam containers. containers. And people were stranded at the airport with no water for days. People who paid $12,000 to see Blink-182 in the Bahamas. And um, <laughs> it was the greatest party truly that never happened yeah and the documentary is fascinating it's also eerie it it's is weird, yeah. and I, it, it's it's that big man we're, the world is so good at promising something and so bad at following through it's similar like if you i mean the reason that that tiny little houses are described as charming charming sounds great and then you show up to this apartment and you find out oh it's 200 square feet you know <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah every single hotel room is referred to as a luxury suite yeah. You have to promise something, even if you can't really fully deliver on it. Yeah. And so that brings me, I guess, to the secular gospel, yeah. if you will. And I know that sounds strange to say, to use the word secular and gospel in the same thing. But I really see it as that because our gospel is essentially, 
here's this narrative and this story that promises something to give your life to Jesus and be invited into this thing that is going to change not just your your eternity, but your entire life. And the secular gospel has, has contours that are similar to the Christian gospel, but it just fills it in with different context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if you guys are kind of like, okay, define secular gospel a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if this is necessarily a definition. You might be able to fill in the gaps a little, but it's just this narrative our culture has been pushing of you can be whoever you want to be. And that mm-hmm. is including whatever gender, sexual identity, um, male, female, you know, all all that kind of stuff. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, Any type of obligation, any type of authority, anything that would demand something of you that isn't your favorite thing in the world or would push against maybe how you feel personally is evil. And out to get you. And out to get you. Mm -hmm. And And the problem. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the the gospel of secularism is that you can find true joy, true peace, true liberation, true salvation Mm -hmm. in and of yourself Mm -hmm. when you can just truly be who you are and do whatever you want to do. Right. And that's kind of been the lie from the beginning. It's The devil's not very creative. Right. But he kind of like Ja Rule, and I'm not calling Ja Rule the devil, (laughs) but he does a great job of repackaging and promoting sort of the same lie. Like Garden of Eden, if we go all the way back there, the temptation to Adam and Eve wasn't to eat an apple. It was to be self-autonomous. Redefine good and evil for yourself. Yeah, It it was to take control of what you saw as good and evil instead of what God has called good and evil. Yes. And that it's the same lie. The same lie that if there's a God, then he is an authority that is only oppressive over you. Yes. And you need to get out from beneath that yeah. and find yourself. Because again. what he says is good and, and wrong yeah. might not be what you think is good and wrong. And he's holding out on you. And he's holding out on you and he's holding you back. And for you to be free, mm-hmm. for you to be happy, mm-hmm. and for you to truly discover yourself, you have to liberate yourself from any authority or autonomy or, or and become autonomous and define life for yourself. Exactly. And nobody can tell you otherwise. Exactly. So it kind of has a lot of the similar framework. I heard Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer talk about this. If you pay attention to a lot of the, the quote-unquote fruit of the secular gospel you just talked about, this finding myself and this peace and this joy, this contentment, this fulfillment, this salvation I'm looking for, I mean, that has a lot of... There's a lot of Jesus narrative and Jesus. Yeah, it's like a mirror. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But as Mark Sayers would say, it essentially promises the kingdom, but without the king. Yeah. And you can go through it. I mean, we can go through the the four steps of it and kind of compare and contrast the gospel of Jesus with the gospel of secularism. There are so many parallels, um, and and some of those might just be a little bit off. But one has the king and one doesn't, and therefore one is failing and one is eternal. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. I think that's so good. And I think that there's a verse in the Bible, I'm blanking on where it's at. I want to say it's Ecclesiastes, um, where it talks about how eternity has been placed in the human heart. Yeah. Every single person on this earth has been formed and crafted in the image of God. The gospel of Jesus is the one and only way to truly find, to, to fulfill that eternal 
image-bearing desire deeply placed inside you where real freedom, um, real salvation, real liberty is found. But if you don't look at it in, in the life of Jesus, that desire is still going to be there. Yes. And the secular gospel is the is the fire fest to your soul. It's it's the promise of finding that eternity that your soul longs for. Uh huh. With all these over promises and tons of under delivering, and all these over promises that are temporary things. Yeah. As good as they are, so we don't even, we don't even have to talk about you know just blatant sin. We can talk about yeah 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 a new job, yeah. a new a new marriage a new friend group, a new city, that's what you need. All these things that are good, no matter how, a new dream, a new calling, a new, like you, a new car, you fill in the blank, a new salary. All these things are great. The problem is they're not the size of forever. Yeah. They're not the size of eternity. And that groove that is in Ecclesiastes 3.11, okay. and the only reason I know it is because I feel that verse so deeply in my own soul. Um, that's an eternal groove that God, out of love, I believe, placed in you. Yeah. Because you're going to need something the size of forever yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. The good news is once you, once you have found that and once you let God, who is eternal, do that, then you're sort of freed up to actually enjoy all those other things I just said for what yeah. they are because yeah, you, no absolutely. Longer, you no longer need them. I mean, that's, that's so big in your 20s when it comes to relationships is you count on another person to do that for you. And it works until it doesn't, once again, no yeah. matter how great that person is. Uh, my wife, I love her. Um, she's not the size of forever. Yeah. She can't do that for me. Yeah. And I can't do that for her. And if you're not careful, you will go from relating, re relation, like from relationship to relationship, and then eventually from marriage to marriage, because you think I married the wrong person because they're not completing me. Yeah. When in reality, no human being actually has the ability to do that. And if you are trying to make them do that, you will put a weight on them that they will crumble beneath when all along there is this God who is initiating towards you who wants to do that for you. I did yeah. a wedding last week and I said, we love each other because he first loved us. He loves us with this agape, unconditional love. He perfectly completes us. And that means we're both freed up now to just walk through life with our best friend hand in hand, pointing each other to the one who can complete us. Yeah. And it frees us up to enjoy it to the fullness of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, I know we're 20 minutes in, but we really want to dive in and sort of pick apart the secular gospel um, and, how it's, and how it's failing. Yes. And, and and like you said, it it very so images almost the story of God. Because yeah. that, that's sort of what the enemy's scheme is, is to get just close enough exactly. to seem reasonable. Yeah. It's gonna seem right. It's gonna sound right. Yeah. Yes. So let's let's look at sort of the 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 genesis. Okay. To to, to borrow from the Bible, the genesis of the secular gospel. What what is sort of in Christianity, the Bible begins in this place called Eden, which mm -hmm. is uh, paradise. It's perfection. It's God's presence dwelling fully with humanity on earth with a commission to go and to, um, you know, continue the garden, to work the land, to bring God's vision to fulfillment on planet earth. Um, and that's sort of where we as we as Christians get our start. Where we are made in God's image, made yes. to do God's work. Um, with God in our corner, mm -hmm. what is sort of the beginning promise of 
of the Eden and secular gospel. I mean, very, very similar. We'll just call it your true self okay. or the inner child. This is who you really are. Um, that's why you'll hear people say all the time, like, oh, I need to, and I'm not knocking this, I've done it. I, I need to um, go camping or do a, a Euro trip and backpack around Europe to find myself and get back to my true self again. It's almost like something in you remembers how you are really supposed to be your inner child. And the same thing's true with Eden. Something in us remembers somehow what it was like before the fall, back when there was no sin, the DNA of the universe wasn't fractured, and back before we were all incomplete um, even Romans talks about creation itself, like the rocks crying out in silence, yeah. almost groaning as if creation even remembers yeah. what it was like before the fall. So you've got, yeah. you've got Eden in the Christian gospel, that narrative, that's, that's step one. And, and if you parallel that with the secular gospel, it's basically this is your true self or your inner child. Yeah, I think they both give an image of a complete person. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's like, well said. Like as a Christian— Adam and Eve were complete people. And not that you, the listener, I myself am technically incomplete, but it was just a life made without the fracture of sin. Yes. And and in Christianity, we have an image of a complete person. And mm-hmm. in a secular narrative, there is this idea of a complete person, mm-hmm. this image of a complete person that they want you to buy in to, I can be this. Right. But how I get there, right? How do I get there? And so, in the Christian narrative, there's there's a complete person, and then sin enters the picture, and there's a fracture, yeah. and there's something called the fall. The fall, Genesis three, and you already kind of alluded to it, where um, it wasn't a magical apple, but rather a decision. There's power in our decisions, an original decision to to say, God is holding out on me. I'm going to redefine good and evil for myself. I am going to define what's true and what's not. And in in Genesis 3, that's the fall. That's where sin enters the world. That's why all of us now are, are brought forth in iniquity and born with this sinful bent in us. Now you have the image of God in you, and you were made that way two chapters before we became sinful. But make no mistake, we're sinful. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can't just get rid of that by traveling Europe. Yeah. And so the parallel with the fall in the secular gospel would essentially be, um, I mean, it, like trauma or that thing that happened or a parent's divorce or a divorce that you went through. Um, but not just that, Connor. This is, what inter- this is what's interesting to me. Not just trauma. I heard Mark Sayers comment, I mean, anything that you don't like. Yeah. Like commitment. Yeah. Anything that's going to be oppressive to you and take you away from your true self or authority, some outside source of authority, somebody else who tells you what to do, or even, um, even like going to work and, and spending eight hours a day doing something that you'd rather not do is, is oppressing you or, you know what I mean? Or that, yeah, that difficult conversation you have to have. It's anything that causes step number three, which in the Christian narrative would be sin so you've got Eden, you've got the fall, you've got sin. We just call it sin. Yeah. Um, and if we had four hours, we could talk more about that. But the on the secular gospel side, paralleling with that would be unhappiness. Yeah. Anything that makes you unhappy. But what's interesting about that is we have kind of even defined what happiness and unhappiness is. 
I'm a, I'm a science nerd. And so happiness in your brain has way more to do with serotonin that leads to contentment. We've redefined it as pleasure. We are seeking pleasure, which in your brain is dopamine and endorphins. And by definition, those things are fleeting. So they show up and then they're gone. And so that drink, as soon as that drink is empty, you need another one. As soon as the romantic high wears off, you need a new dating relationship. You need a new thrill. You need a new job. As soon as that, that thing that was working stops working, um, you need something. It's built on this discontentment um, and consumerism, by the way, in our nation thrives on that because consumerism needs you to be discontent. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with like, I, for as much as I wear the same outfits, I I dabble with minimalism. Shout out to John Mark Comer in the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But I, I do very much enjoy fashion. That chapter kicked me in the gut, by the way. On minimalism? Yeah. Yeah. It it just challenged me. It it more challenged my heart than what I actually own. Yeah. This idea of feeling discontent towards what I own and not like grateful for what I own. Did you Um, go, is it, is it Maria Kondo? Yeah. Did you go, did you do that in your Yeah. I've I've started doing these things called capsule wardrobes, which I kind of do like a fall, fall, winter, spring, summer. And it's, you just kind of get you know, like four or five pair of jeans. It's not like how little can I, how little can I get by with, but it's more like, here's what I'm wearing for the next six months. And they all can kind of intermingle together. And so you just buy things that all kind of go, it's mostly like neutrals and stuff, but okay. Yeah. But I'm really interested in, in fashion and, and, um, more specifically like cuts and different, um, not just like logos, but like the way things fit. But in the fashion industry, you know, there's there's fashion weeks. And, and what's funny is a lot of people pick different drops for different um, like series that they're doing. So like like um, Fear of God will do, a, will do a series drop on a certain month. And right. then Gucci or whatever don't, doesn't want to do that because they, they, you want to give people an opportunity to consume – Yes. And then build the momentum for the next thing that you need to have. Yes. So that if you're lucky enough to get some Fear of God apparel, well, this next drop's coming next month. I'm already kind of not into what what I'm saying is. You're describing a hamster wheel. Yeah, it's it's exactly what it is. It's strategically placed so that a consumer will constantly want more and more and Uh more stuff. Because dopamine is great. Yeah. It's God-given, but it's fleeting. Yeah. And that's what we have defined in the secular gospel as what um, essentially salvation is. So if being unhappy is the problem, if that's sin, then your salvation is getting back to the true self, um, rediscovering who you really are. You can finally find it. You can finally be happy. You can finally be true to who you really are, the truth that is that is completely subjective and somewhere deep down within you, and you shook off everything and anything that's going to oppress that. No authority figure, including God, if there is a God, is going to tell me what to do or how to live. I have redefined what's good and evil, what's right and wrong for myself, and I have arrived. And we, we look all the time at influence influencers and their highlight reels that they post and we look at you know youtubers traveling the world and it's kind of i mean i don't think anybody would outright say it in a vicious kind of way i'm not saying that at all but it, it paints this idea of there are people who have found that 
without Jesus. Um, but I've had the crazy opportunity to meet a lot of people, some people, yeah. that most of the world would define as that person who has reached the salvation state of the secular gospel. And they, they're not there. Yeah. They're still on the treadmill, yeah. on the hamster wheel. They have found everything under the sun to try to satisfy that, that Ecclesiastes eternal groove in their heart and even having everything. I mean, this is where Bono wrote that, those lyrics, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And yeah. if Bono hasn't found it, and if yeah. Justin Bieber has, like, didn't find it, I mean, no offense to anybody listening to this, including myself and you, but guys, we're not finding yeah, it. Yeah, we're not. If they haven't found it, we're not finding it. No. And, yeah. and so that brings me back to Austin and Denver and this great promise, this great fire festival promise of this is where the party is and you will completely find it. Yeah. All the, the kingdom without the king and what we're seeing is that it's failing. Yeah. So let's let's kind of recap and then we'll talk a little bit about how we as followers of Jesus respond to this. Our, the gospel has a very clear narrative that you were born a complete person. Well, not, not born. We started as complete people in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Fracture occurred. Sin entered the world. And now we have to follow Jesus. We get to follow Jesus. Um to, to mend that relationship with God and to experience real life. The narrative, and this is what I see so clearly in our culture, and this is what's so crazy is it does, it all kind of circles back to the Garden of Eden, is everything that gets promoted on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, is I define what is right and wrong for myself, mm-hmm. and you cannot tell me it's wrong. And telling somebody they're wrong is sin. Mm-hmm. And salvation is this idea of getting back to your true self. Mm-hmm. Why does that fail? Because there's no king. There's no savior. There's yeah. nothing outside of yourself that is transcendent or beyond any of the stuff you're using to try to find yourself. Yeah. Because whether if, it's yeah, whether it's stuff or an experience. If you could have if you could save yourself, you would have by now. Oh, and you wouldn't have be listening to this podcast, and you right. wouldn't be searching for mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. If you could truly be self sufficient, you would be absolutely salvation. Like realization can't be found within yourself. Right, it's only through Jesus. So you can walk down whatever method, whatever trail you want to, and it's just going to end up being the same destination, the same as everybody else. Yeah, I heard Tim Keller describe you know truth right now. A lot of people are asking, where is it and what is it, essentially? And that used to be, I mean, and I would argue this is still true. It's just not realized or taught as much that truth was something bigger than you, outside of you, um, whether that was God or honor or dying for your nation, whatever it is. But you knew this was truth, and then you get to decide whether or not you want to conform to that. Well, now what's being taught is that it's all in you. You need to figure that out, and then the rest of the world needs to conform to that. And you know what, man? I feel deeply for it because I, I, I see that in my own life, and that sounds so good. It sounds so true. Um, the problem is it lacks anything, once again, transcendent or beyond or bigger than yourself, which is what you actually need. And so I think a common misconception that Eve bought into, and we all buy into it, is thinking, 
this God, this truth is oppressive and wants to be a weight on your shoulder. That's you can either be a Christian or you can be happy. Yeah. You know, um, when really how I see it is this North Star that cares about you finding your way when all of us are like boats in the middle of the ocean at night and there's big waves and there's storms. You have a clear sky with a with a star, a North Star that cares about you and is saying, come in this direction because I am for you, not against you. I'm not trying to take from you or rob from you. I'm more for your happiness and your joy than even you are, especially way more for your joy than the world is. And I, I think a lot of people who have grown up in super religious and oppressive backgrounds um, run from it for that reason because they don't actually know this is an invitation to a light yoke yeah. and an easy burden that Jesus said. This, this is the ultimate, not just salvation forever one day, but even right here and right now. Like in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus is described as, as this narrow gate and this narrow road, um, I've kind of moved away from the uh, the super fundamentalist viewpoint of that where Um, oh, it's a narrow gate, so only a few people are going to heaven and everybody else is going to hell. I think that speaks more to the specificity of it where Jesus is the way and there's no other way. If the kingdom, the key to the kingdom is the king at the end of the day is, is who you really want. And that narrow road speaks to what we're on right now where few will actually find it because this secular gospel is so promising and enticing and has similar contours as as the Christian narrative as well. Yeah, because the secular gospel doesn't care who you worship as long as it <clears throat> ends up being yourself. Yeah. So if you you can follow yourself and say you're a Buddhist and or you can be a Muslim or even a Christian and as long as it brings you back to self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. that's the goal of mm-hmm. of the secular gospel is that you're all that you need and when you find yourself you'll reach salvation enlightenment happiness joy pleasure yeah and so I, I think as as young adults who are trying to follow Jesus in this and we're so obviously and subtly inundated with this message right there's moments where you can see it you know clear as day um all right, you know, just to be happy, anything that is against your will, anything that would oppress you in, in some way or even cause you to, like, be frustrated is evil. Mm-hmm. But then it's, like, also this very subtle current as right, well. Right, That even people who go to church and read their Bibles can be swept away. Absolutely. In this, in this kind of, like, very, like, seductive sort of, yeah. Narrative. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you need to, I mean, you and I preach this stuff all the time and still need to preach it to ourselves and to each other. That's why you'll never hear the simple gospel enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seriously. Yeah, it's so easy to drift from it when you think yeah. you got it. It's like kind of holding a, a slippery bar of soap. Yeah. You know, because it's so illogical and counterintuitive to the logic that we ascribe to. God's ways are higher than ours. And this this news that honestly seems too good to be true for so many people and that's what's heartbreaking is there's this God who cares so deeply about you and has so much to give you, not just in eternity, but right here and right now. Um, you know what I, I think is happening? I think people are starting to wise up to it. Yeah. I kind of picture that, that crew of millennials who flew to the Bahamas and are, are seeing these, these first aid tents instead of villas and these cheese sandwiches instead of five-star meals and 
they're stranded at the airport with no water and are realizing this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. I think we have a generation of people who are seeing this doesn't deliver what it promises. And to me, I always go back to my time. I spent a year in Laguna Beach doing youth ministry. To me, it's the most beautiful place in the world. To me, it's the closest thing there is to Eden yeah. on our planet right now. And yeah. that's the place where everybody there, I did youth ministry. And all these kids, you know, as high schoolers have m more than me in every way, more money, a cooler car, the new phone whenever they want it. At unlimited access to everything. And yet at the time, and I don't know if it still is, but at the time it was, it had the highest suicide rate of any city on the entire planet. That's insane. It's crazy to me. And I think I now know why. It's because they have either the, a blessing and a curse, a blessing, I'll call it a blessing of realizing what 99.99% of the planet will never know, which is that you can have everything this world has to offer under the sun to fill that eternal groove. And the best of it. The best of it, man. And it still doesn't work. So the rest of the world is finding out, okay, what I have doesn't work. But somewhere out there in another city under the sun, I have lingering hope that all's not lost. I can yeah. go and I, I'll just, I just have to try harder yeah. to find it. If I can get that house or yeah. that penthouse and that, or that salary. And that, that hope keeps you going. That's what it, it is It keeps you need. on the hamster wheel. Yeah. But when you are in the place where there is nothing better or cooler than this and it fails you, yeah. all your hope is gone. What do I do now? Yeah. And that is why I think it was the highest rate for suicides on this planet. What you need is something beyond the sun. Yeah. A God out there beyond and transcendent, bigger than you, who is initiating towards you, who not just in this life, but more importantly, in eternity, is offering you this invitation to get back to Eden, to your true self, your real identity, a son or a daughter of the king of the universe where there's no more sin and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no um, discontentment. There's no people competing for attention or auditioning for a spot in the room. There's no headaches. There's no cancer. There's no acne. There's no, yeah. you know, it's just completion forever. The yeah. new heavens and the new earth with God, you literally just like breathe him in with every breath and it's fullness in paradise with him, experiencing all things new. That is the promise. Um, and that that's where hope is found in the here and now. And that leads you on this narrow road right now where real life is found yeah. to fill that eternal groove that is very real and in your heart. Yeah. I, I think so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably be on for another 10 minutes or so, but what's what's crazy to me is that the offer for this, the way you receive this, this is sort of the fork in the road moment mm -hmm. because to receive real life and the real invitation, the real gospel is actually an invitation to die to yourself when everything our world tells you is to indulge yourself. Right. And by dying yourself, not indulging yourself is how you find your true self. Yeah. 
Yeah. Lose, whole, lose your life and you will find it. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's Jesus's message to his disciples is if you really want to follow me, you'll die to yourself. But when you do that, you'll actually find life. Yes. And that is that is the mark that a lot of people aren't willing to cross because mm-hmm. the promise that our society and our culture continues to push is not self-denial, but self-indulgent, self-fulfillment. Anything you feel, anything like you were saying earlier that brings you pleasure will lead you to the place. Which on surface level sounds so much better. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm just going to try everything. Absolutely. Yes. But when Jesus says die to yourself, it's this invitation to step into God's story. We were talking about this a little earlier. I think as pastors and as Christians, Without, without any type of maliciousness, we've done a disservice to the invitation of Jesus because so often at the end of messages or something, we'll say, and if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, and that's, that's real, that's based off a Bible verse, but, but at least what comes into my mind is if I want to invite Jesus into what I'm doing into right. my life, Jesus can be a part of my life if he wants to be. As a supplement, yeah. essentially. Yeah, but the invitation of Jesus is never to come alongside of you and your journey. It's to scrap your journey completely and invite you into the greatest story in the world, the kingdom of God. You're you're not inviting Jesus into your story as much as because of Jesus, God has invited you into his story. And that's where life is found. When Jesus says, die to yourself, he's not saying, if you go to the store and you want a Snickers, you have to, you have to, Deny everything you've right. ever wanted in life. <laughs> what he's saying is, get lost in my story. Don't get lost in your own story because your own story will fall short. But when you get lost in my story, you'll actually find more significance and purpose in life, in your life, than if you ever tried to create it on your own. You know that verse in Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yes. I think that gets misconstrued in the same Schema that you just outlined right there. We think if I invite Jesus into my life, then he'll give me everything I want. But it's when you deny yourself and lay your life down and get lost in his story that I think you'll find your desires actually start changing. Yeah. But you'll look back one day and go, it was everything I never thought I wanted, but my soul truly craved. And thank God I didn't actually get what I originally wanted. Yeah. But he renewed my heart. Yeah. And gave me these new desires. And um, man, yeah. So so for the person that's listening, that maybe and and to some degree we've all bought into it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if even if you can see the scheme happening, there's parts of it that are so alluring that you're like, I might dip my toe in that a little bit. But to somebody who's listening to this and they're like, Man, I think I've I think I've bought into that narrative mm-hmm. that I don't need God. He feels like an oppressive figure that's holding me back. Mm-hmm. Um, what is like a great first step for somebody that's like, hey, I'm walking down this road and I, maybe I haven't gotten to the pinnacle of it yet, but I'm starting to see signs that it's not going to deliver to me what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. What would you tell somebody who's kind of walking down that road right now, that road of self-fulfillment, of self-indulgence, never telling themselves, no, anything that doesn't bring me pleasure is bad. I'm just going to take the next couple years to find myself. 
What would you tell somebody kind of walking through that that season of life right now? I would say I think you've gotten to a place, or if not yet, then soon, where you're going to be forced to try something else regardless. You know, that's why I kind of, it's kind of a beautiful letdown <laughs> to quote that Switchfoot album. <laughs> yeah. It's so amazing is when you realize I get, I get let down by the fact that this didn't work. There's so much beauty in that. Yeah. And I'm almost, I almost pray for people that happen sooner than later, as weird as that sounds. I mean that in a great way. Yeah. Um, the sooner you realize this isn't going to work, the sooner you have to, you're, you are forced to try something else. And, uh, and that's a beautiful moment when you do that. And, and so whether that means coming on a Thursday night to YA and hearing about this North Star, this yeah. truth, and um, whether that means joining a group. Um, I know for me, God really grabbed me um, through, through serving. So for me, it was a mission trip. So if you have the opportunity to do something like that, that's amazing. But you, can, you don't have to cross an ocean. You can cross the street. All yeah. I'm saying is when you you kind of get away from yourself for a little bit and, and start, I mean, that's a great way to die to yourself is to spend a day or like an hour thinking about somebody else who's not you. You might find you feel better than you've ever felt before. Yeah. And this little, this little practice session of dying to myself actually led to some life for me. Um, so for me, it was a mission trip. I remember I read the Gospel of John for the very first time when I got back from that trip. And that was the first time I actually read it. And I didn't have a pastor on a podcast or in a church service read the Bible and me take his word for it. But I actually got that thing out, put it on my lap and read the words for myself and read about this Jesus guy and this life that he offers. And, and uh, God speaks through his word. Yeah. He will speak to you through that. Something supernatural takes place if you give it enough time. Yeah. And so uh, there's all kinds, of, all kinds of first steps to take. I would just challenge you to take one, whatever yeah. that is. And maybe yeah. for the for the Christian that's listening, that has friends or I don't know, maybe maybe is feeling ostracized from they're trying to follow Jesus, but the allure of of the secular gospel or just the the of the world, I I don't know. I mean, we can put like yeah. churchy church. Which, just... by the way, you and I as pastors feel all the time. All the this time. This will always be. I mean, this is why being aware of it is so helpful. Yeah. It doesn't mean you'll never fall prey to it. But once you're aware of it and you recognize the lie, you recognize that the world doesn't deliver on what it promises, then you're less prone to it. Yeah. And so I think that would be the main hopefully point or piece of fruit that comes from somebody listening to this podcast is simply an awareness of this promise that won't deliver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, man, life is found in following Jesus. And I think that all of us to some degree, like Doug was saying, can find ourselves walking through bunny trails, you know, mm -hmm. of just, yeah, I'm figuring it out, but man, to be rich or man to have a bunch of sexual partners or whatever it is that, that yeah. I, th I think is the missing key, man, is following Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's not holding out on you. He's mm -hmm. not trying to deprive you. Um, sometimes boundaries in our life are a great thing. Yeah. I said this a few weeks ago at YA, but I'll say it again. Um, we, you don't have to learn every brutally hard lesson the hard way. Yeah. Because... There, and I've experienced this in my own life. I remember, you know, I used to hear testimonies about 
the sex, drug, and rock and roll testimonies and think, well, I need to, I need something like that, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but contrary to popular belief, not all rules are made to be broken. Not all boundaries are made to be tested, and uh, because that really does come with baggage. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I have that in me. Um, I wanna. I pray for my. I pray for our kids that we'd see testimony videos of of kids who just said, you know what, I just kind of took God at his word yeah, and kind of just did it the way he said. And I cannot tell you how much fruit and real joy and peace, but like the real stuff, that's not fleeting. Yeah. That's not the dopamine high that's here today and gone tomorrow. Um, this really, really does work. And that's not to say life is not hard. We live in a, we're, we're broken people who live in a fallen world. One day that won't be the case, but right now it is. But I know this, this God beyond all of it who also lives within me, and I die to myself every single day, and the life I find on the other side of it is so, so, so worth it. And so, with all of that said, um, as, as we see the secular gospel failing, there's no part of me that stands on the sidelines and, and cheers and goes, I told you so. Yeah. I think that creates this us versus them mentality that is a, an easy way out and not biblical and not the way of Jesus. It's us for them. Um, it does get me excited, though, because what that means, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with a, an ocean metaphor again, okay. okay? So if you think about the tides, it really, really feels, and this is, this is historical, the tides ebb and flow, and they come in and they go out, high tide and low tide. And for a while now, it has felt, especially in cities like ours, like the way of Jesus has been at low tide, and culture has not been interested, and the secular gospel is at high tide. But what happens when people wise up and the secular gospel fails is that tide goes out and behind the breakers was a force building that comes in stronger than ever. And so as this thing fails, it's going to create this space for the church to step up and really be the church and model what it looks like to walk this narrow road and die to yourself and follow Jesus and inspire a world that is without hope now that no, 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 there is something here, something yeah. real. And you have all the hope that you could have ever wanted and all the life is available to you right here and right now. So I really believe that we are coming up on a season. I don't know when, um, I used to think of seasons in terms of months or even a year or two. I, now I see it in terms of decades. Yeah. I think there's going to be a decade coming up where the church has a prime opportunity to truly be a city on a hill, like a lighthouse to a dark world full of people who have tried religion but not Jesus, to say, come home and experience what this God really actually thinks about you. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I mean, I think that's that's an incredible way to end this podcast. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and listening. Like I said, Doug will be back on the podcast. I would love to. Yeah. I mean, you come you come in in like a month. You're back in like a month. Here. Yeah, and the studio audience uh, apparently loved it. So the people have spoken, Connor. Yeah, they have. Hey, man, I, I love and appreciate you so much. You're an incredible leader. Thanks, I've said man. this before, um, but I'll say it again. If you could bet on people somehow with money, I would bet on you and your future and your calling to ministry and your leadership and your passion for truth and articulating it in a way that's in, it's an invitation for people where you're not afraid to challenge them and say it like it is because of your heart and how much you deeply care about them. 
finding Jesus and following him. And so um, I just love you. I think the world of you and, and just believe in you like crazy. And I'm honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Thanks, man. That Wow. I wasn't expecting that. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, for all things Red Rocks, uh, young adults, you can go to rrya.org or redrocksya.com. I think I'm just going to say redrocksya.com moving forward. There you go. Yeah, we're just done with the .org thing. You can also follow us on Instagram. Doug, for people who want to keep up with you and keep up with Red Rocks Austin, yes. where can they do that? Well, redrocksaustin.com is our website. My Instagram handle is just at Doug Weckenman. I actually had to think about that for a second. I think that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. But this is the most important thing. We're trying to get to 10,000 followers on our Red Rocks Austin Instagram account. Hey, only so go we can do follow the, them. Only so we can do the swipe up thing. Yeah, Because that yeah. would make people signing up for our initiatives and watching sermons and like so much easier. So yeah. guys, our mission is hashtag 10K. Help us out. That's at Red Rocks Austin on Instagram. Yeah, so hey, do us a favor. Go tell your friends to follow them, even if they're not Christians. Let's get them to 10K, and then Doug is going to personally write a 10K check to every single person that followed them after this podcast. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I have so much I have so much money. <laughs> and and I have enough for $10,000 for 10,000 people. There you go, yeah, man. Yeah, all that money has not filled this eternal groove, Connor. And so... <laughs> You just um, want to give it away. Hopefully everybody knew, sensed the sarcasm there. Yes. Yes. We do not have that money. But we love you guys. Uh, we're still doing every other week for summer. I don't know. I kind of like the every other week, but we might go back to every week. We'll see. Um, but thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll be back very soon. Have a good one, guys.